This is the Intentional Disruption Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Demo. As I record this on September 10th, I just recorded an episode that I'm now going to push till Friday. You see, as I was getting the minimal audio processing that I do to these episodes done, I looked down at what date it was so I could figure out what the publish date would be. And holy crap. It's 9-11. And if you were born on 9-11-2001, you're an adult now. Holy crap. I I mention that because I know exactly where I was on September 11th, 2001. You see, I just got done with my um, MOS school. So in the Marines, your specialty school. Uh, think of it like a trade school. I'd graduated from that in June of 2001. I had just started my freshman year of school over at Western Connecticut State University. Um, I did the reserves because with the level of technicality of my job in the Marine Corps, they don't do it every day. It's not like the infantry where, hey, let's practice to be grunts. Let's go for a hike. Um, Or if you're in motor transport, hey, my job's to drive trucks. Let's go do that. it's, It's a pretty complicated setup to do what I did. And my instructors had asked me to go active duty. I was number two in my class, and they thought it'd be good to have me doing it full-time instead of uh, just on the weekends. And I was ready to do it, but I asked one question, me being a private, which means really easy to put your uniform on because there's nothing to put on it. No national defense ribbon for those who have gone through boot camp in the last 17 years. But I asked him, like, I mean, wh- what do you guys do? Like, if you're not doing your actual job, like, wh- what do you do? Because you're technically on call 24-7. So, yeah, what's that look like? And... What I got was there's, you know, a lot of additional duties, things that come up that you get tasked with, which for those that don't understand what that means, it means you're going to be doing a lot of working parties and a lot of stuff you don't really want to do. See, on the active duty side, unless there was an operation, like they maybe got in five days a month of really good quality training in my job. 
way I saw it was, well, I'd be doing two in the reserves. Sounds good enough to me. Um, I don't want to be, you know, somebody's lackey all the time. I'd rather, like, actually do things around the, you know, back my hometown. Uh, So, guys, I appreciate the offer, but you can miss me with that. Three days later, I'm, or three months later, I'm getting ready for school. Um, turn on the news, you know, just to see what's going on. And one of the towers is on fire. It's like, well, shoot, what happened there? I'm a... Not necessarily pessimistic person by nature, but I'm pretty realistic. I mean, with the upbringing that I had, you know, I had a lot of stuff going on. So I see through a lot of stuff. And that didn't seem right slash normal. I get into the campus, uh, Mainside Campus in Danbury, Connecticut. And they have, in the student union, there's a little theater, and they've got it playing. So I was in there when the second tower hit, or the second jet hit the second tower. And I just remember going, oh, shoot. And I didn't say it that way, I promise you. Because one, maybe, maybe like, no, but maybe. Two, yep, all right. Yeah, that that doesn't, that doesn't happen by accident, guys. And... I knew then that this life of, you know, I'm going to serve on the weekends and go, go to school. I was going to be a history teacher after I did some side seating with one of my high school teachers. I decided that it wasn't going to be right for me. Uh, I believe in teaching truths, facts, when I educate people. And the way the curriculum was looking didn't really line up. You know, some of the things that they were being told to emphasize had a particular point of view and just wasn't for me. That being an aside... To the fact that I didn't need anybody to tell me. Um, I knew that it was going to be uh, game time. I went back home just to make sure that all my gear was ready. Because I figured we wouldn't be home for very long. It turned out to be three years. Um, I didn't get sent on the initial invasion. And I remember being so furious about that. Apologies for the car in the background that couldn't afford a muffler. Uh, 
And I remember I was so angry when I saw the towers come down. And my occupational specialty in the Marines, um, as I'd started to talk about, really only gets to do a lot of practice when, like, we're actually having, you know, jets and helicopters in the air, um, artillery strikes, medevacs, resupplies. Well, turns out that uh, it was prime season for my job, and I didn't get called for the initial invasion. I was 21. I was furious that I didn't get to go. Like in every way that I could, like I raised my hand every which way you could, raised a foot. I was all in. Send me. Let me. Let's go. Yeah, let's get this moving. So when Iraq kicked off, um, OAF-1, basically 2003, they needed to start doing cycling of people through. They do about every seven months um, once they got everything settled. And, yeah, middle of 2004 was uh, my turn to go over there and bring uh, some discontent to uh, the people that we were fighting I'm not going to dive deep into the Iraq war or necessarily the uh, global war on terrorism. But I just wanted to bring it up because some people forget that we actually have people in places that, quite frankly, suck. Like, the people that we're fighting aren't in the Ritz-Carlton. They're not in nice places in the world. And to be blunt with you when you see in the media like people get all bent out of shape about oh these people's rights aren't being you know allowed and like America's a terrible place y'all need to get out of the country and go where we're going to defend you from getting blown up again because my god if you got to see what the real world was like, you'd, you'd shut up real quick. And I apologize for being a little bit extra salty, a little bit extra saucy today. But over 3,000 people died in those two towers. A horrible death. Uh, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast. Um, my top two reasons for dying that I just don't want to be a part of are drowning and fire. It's cool for the Vikings. It's not for me. I mean, when you see people choosing to jump from 50, 60 stories up to their death because it's that much worse inside the building, I mean, the abject terror that somebody has to feel in that situation damn and that stuff was done intentionally um you know i was reading an article about how the taliban took out uh, afghanistan one of their key leaders two days before uh 
9-11, and it asked about how the world would have been different if we just, if he hadn't been killed two days before. You know, I wonder what would have happened if Bill Clinton had actually launched the strike that would have taken out Osama bin Laden back in the 90s. Had the dude dead to rights, wouldn't pull the trigger. How many times have we had the ability to act on the intelligence and how many lives could we have saved? You see, the problem is now we're not fighting a conventional war. And the people that we're fighting... The only the, the only way that it changes for them is for them to take a dirt nap. That's it. What we need and what we've needed, I've been talking about this for 15 years now. The only way this is going to stop is a multifaceted approach of dirt naps for the fighters, education for the kids. Because one of the unfortunate facts about Islam, similar to how it was during the Crusades for Christians, is your local pastor, just to anglicize it so that don't end up getting banned by Google, for God's sakes, they hold a lot of power. And what your local pastor, your mom, says, that that's codified. That's law. That's exactly what it is. He knows what he's talking about, and you have to follow him. And that's why you see these moms, just like you see, like, what is his name? Joel Osteen or whatever that dude's name is. They build up these mega churches, if you will, of people that are believers in their message. And... That message, newsflash, a lot of the times is not coming from somebody that's educated in anything outside of their religion. It's coming from areas that have absolutely no economic opportunity. There's hardship, there's strife, there's no job opportunities, which is why we get so many of these fighters. Until that all changes and they have an actual good education and hear something other than what their local pastor, if you will, is saying, they're going to just keep coming. They're going to just keep coming, and we're going to be engaged in this battle of East versus West for the foreseeable future. 18 years since the towers went down, But it's been 30, 40 years that we've been in this fight. It's just nobody wants to acknowledge it. I mean, it's nuts. And then you see, you know, certain parts of the media that are so anti-Israel. I mean, I'm not going to tell anybody how to think, but if you objectively look at the facts... It's amazing 
the vitriol that goes Israel's way. They've been fighting this for a lot longer than we have. And I, I just don't see it ending, which is... It's unfortunate. What's really unfortunate is the fact that in order to make it stop, it has to get worse. Or it could get better. I mean, we could have, you know, groups like the Saudis actually help us to put the infrastructure in place to teach these people. But, I mean, you have to understand where they're coming from. Which, in essence, is the seven eight hundred AD time frame, because that that's where these cultures were, and then we slingshotted them into the eighteenth, nineteenth, twentieth centuries. Now into the twenty first century. And they haven't had the time to catch up and to adapt, which creates a schism. And until we rectify that, we're going to be at war in some place or another trying to take out the people that are going to try to harm us. It's one of the biggest reasons I'm normally concerned about the border. Like, that that's table stakes. Like, do you lock your door at night? Yes. Why? So you know who's coming in and out. It's not rocket science. It's not personal. But that's a pretty dang easy way for people to get in and do another 9-11. We're having a conversation about open borders. Really? So when the next 9-11 happens, um, that, that's whose blood they, it's going to be on. I didn't mean for this podcast to go down this route, um, but thankfully you get exactly what my stream of consciousness is when I hit record. Tomorrow's going to be real, well, I guess today when it launches, it's going to be a real somber day for me. It usually is. Um, you know, think about the people that we've lost and how much more we're going to have to give to make this all stop. For those in uniform, I always love you. You know, a lot gets put on our shoulders. But keep pushing forward because it's worth it.